It was time for the slaughter to begin again. He tore into the Parshendi force from the side, and some turn, looks of surprise in their usual stoic black eyes. At times the Parshendi seemed alien, but their emotions were so human. The thrill rose and Daladar did not force it down. He needed it too much. An ally was in danger. It was time to let the Black Thorn loose. Heroes of presents Stormpod, a Stormlight Archive podcast. Book One, The Way of Kings. warning for chapters 55 and 56. If you haven't gotten there yet in your reading, I would suggest going back and reading and making sure you find us afterwards. If you've skipped an episode by accident, make sure you don't because we don't want you to be spoiled again. And if you are exactly where you're supposed to be, then enjoy the episode. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Q, and I asked him to tell us a story, but he said he's not a jester or a storyteller. He's Jack. What's up, man? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I've been excited to How talk to you. How are you doing today? Very good. Yeah, we... Uh, I know, right? Yeah, it's... Um, I'm sitting here with a nice cup of coffee in my hand, and I'm so excited to talk I about Stormlight. I know. Well, we, we are in the, the... We're in the Sanderlanch here. We are we? in the Sanderlanch today. Um, the last two episodes have been kind of like one... Um, the last one we did uh, one chapter and we kind of dove deep into it. And I thought these two chapters kind of go so well together. Um, 55 and 56, mm-hmm. they go so well together. We get the beginning of 55, there's a battle, the bridge four is at, and they see Sadius and Dalinar working together. And then the next chapter is like the next battle that Dalinar and Sadius are in. Right. So it's, I, I felt like these two had to go right. together. It's a, it's a good coupling. Mm-hmm. So even if it's a little bit of a longer episode. So there's episode. some really interesting artwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some there's some really interesting artwork in the paperback uh, just before chapter 55, an emerald brome. Mm-hmm. So it looks to be like some kind of a machine. Yeah, it looks like some kind of fabrial. What is this? Oh, okay. That's a fabrial. And there's the crystal. Okay. Wow, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Now, is, this, is all of that kind of... Um, it looks like language, but it also looks like a heartbeat on a monitor. It definitely does. Um, is that is that a language? It is language, yes. Because that's really cool. I was I was looking at it earlier, and I thought it looks also like symmetrical, that like, like you could read it forwards and backwards. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like in terms of the shape of it, it looks like language. It looks like um, heartbeats. It also looks like sound waves when I'm editing. Mm-hmm. It has that same kind of like um, vibe, right? Right. No, that's really cool. The opening quote is uh, is interesting. There's one there's one little part I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the 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 death quote is: "A woman sits and scratches out her own eyes, daughter of kings and winds, the vandal." 
dated Palahevan 1173, 73 seconds pre-death, the subject, a beggar of some renown known, like this, known for his elegant songs. Right. I like that. That's nice. Elegant, elegant songs. I'm, I'm not sure what this, um, this quote means or like, I just know that it's super creepy. Um, I read the quote. Yeah. I was when I was reviewing all this stuff for this episode I read it and I thought to myself you know Dunny's death is still kind of fresh in our minds here and I thought I wonder if Dunny had a death quote or if he because of how he died with getting trampled um, on that bridge if he just didn't get a chance to say one like because we've seen a bridge right. four crew member have one at the beginning of the book and I, I just wondered if Dunny had a death quote and what do you think? I suppose it would depend on whether or not you had the capacity to utter one. Right. Or if uttering one out loud is the only way you can acquire a death quote. Maybe a death quote can be acquired um, within a subject's mind. Hmm. We don't really don't know, know much about it. Like we, we don't no. know anything about it. Uh, we've seen it happen like in, in real life. I don't mean just in the quotes, but I mean like in like, um, like Kaladin and his crew were there and saw him utter this like nonsense, this guy who died before. I just, I don't know. I just wonder if someone as close to us as Dunny, if he had had one, I I have a feeling that he probably didn't only because he got one arrow and another Mm -hmm. arrow and then he flopped on the thing. So that would have been the moment for him to do it. And then he got trampled by horses and stuff. So I just... Unfortunately, I'm just curious about this subject here, having elegant songs. I want to hear one. I want to hear one of his elegant songs. One of these beggars, yeah. So Emerald Brome, chapter 55, this takes place one week after losing Dunny and Kaladin stands on a plateau watching a battle proceed. Mm-hmm. They had arrived before the Parshendi in this case, which is great because it yeah, they, they, they love this. This deaths. is the best outcome for Bridge 4. Best outcome for them. Yeah. Sadius's army is holding the center of the plateau uh, protecting the chrysalis while some of his soldiers cut into it. Yeah. Um, Kaladin, uh, a voice calls out to him in its rock and he says, have you, I like, I love that. I'm always going to love this, this character of this guy. Yeah. Have you seen this thing? Have you seen this thing? Mm-hmm. Kaladin turns and there's another army that's approaching this plateau and the banners are blue and the soldiers were obviously Alethi and Moash. Moash comments a little late, aren't they? And Kaladin says it happens. Yeah. And then I think it's, yeah, Scar recognizes that that's the standard of Dalinar Colon. Right. So this is like touching to what you said earlier is that these two chapters go really well to discuss because you've got Kaladin witnessing this battle and then we get to actually go to the battle. This isn't the same battle though. This and the next one. No, because in the next one, we'll get there later. In the next one, it says... Um, cause they're remarking, this is the very first time they see Dalinar's army with Sadius's army here. Like Kaladin, the guys right. are like, oh my God, this is right. the f- like, that th- they must've decided to work together. And then in the next mm-hmm. fight, Dalinar says, um, that this, they're out here doing this again. So they, they're in, again, in- inferring right. that this is the second time. Right. But still, well, says, I still feel um, like it. 
I still feel like these two chapters go well together because of this. You could almost, your brain almost makes it seem like it could be the same battle, except that it's not. Right. It's just that we get to see how it works with these two armies working together. Right. So Moash is commenting about Dalinar and says, um, they say that he doesn't use Bridgman. Mm-hmm. And Kaladin is curious and, well, how does he cross the chasms then? Yeah. They get to and see this, it, right? This, and then and then he witnesses it. He sees this new army pull up these enormous siege tower like bridges pulled by Chulls. Mm-hmm. That's such a great image. I it's love so it. So cool, but it's so slow it, love going. It, love it makes it. me think of Lord of the Rings yeah. a little bit when they're they're bringing in yeah. the um, the orcs are bringing in all the stuff for uh, the big uh, Minas tower. Tirith. Yeah, uh, Minas Tirith. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and, and this is a very you know slow sort of process. Well, even Kaladin comments in the text is they must be terribly slow, yeah. but. In the, the, the trade is that the army doesn't have to approach the chasm while being fired on. Right. And they could they could hide behind uh, behind those bridges. So I like how Kaladin is sort of, you know, uh, seeing, aha, that's that's how Dalinar right. or, or is doing it. Yeah. Which is, that's really cool. It is really neat. Um, I think that, yeah, Moash says, Dalinar Cole, and uh, they say he's a true light eyes like the men from the old days, a man of honor and of oaths. Yeah. And Kaladin once again is like, I've, I've been disappointed by every single one of them. Yeah. Remind me to tell you about, uh, Amaram sometime. See, okay. So now this is great because he never would have said this before, but right. we as readers know now yeah, what happened. So know. Cal can say things now without giving away the ghost to us. Right. He can be, right. he can let, let out a little bit of information now and it's not going to spoil it for us. So it's, I, I like this tactic here where the, mm-hmm. the author knows that we know. And so it's, he's allows his character to be able to be a little bit more open about things. Well, and this, and this makes it a little, little more interesting because when he mentions Amaram's name, Scar yeah. says, Amaram, the, the shard bearer? And Kaladin says, oh, you, you've heard of that. Yeah. And Scar says, sure, sure. He's supposed to be on his way here, actually. Were you with him when he won his shards? And Kaladin replies, no, nobody was. Right. <laughs> That's just so great. It's so great. <laughs> As a it's reader, so oh, it's just so what wonderful you, because, of course, we, yeah, we know we from know, the previous yeah. what, uh, what do you think about this thing here where he says, Scar says, he's supposed to be on his way here. Everyone's yeah. talking about it in the taverns. Right. It makes sense because Amaram is a shard bearer now, full on shard bearer. So what's he doing yeah. wasting away on border skirmishes he's needed at the real war? Right. Right. So, yeah. Well, it, it, it could be that he's been called here. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, so I, I'm sure that the event of this survivor of the of the high storms has got around. Sadius himself could have been the one to speak about it. It's true. Amongst other high princes. So maybe Amram now knows of it, maybe even recognizes that it's Kaladin. Hmm. And rather than risk Kaladin, I don't know. Is this an official survive. theory that I should be putting on the list or is this just I'm, you're ruminating? I'm, I'm a coming little. up with it right now. I don't know. I'm oh. just, I'm just riffing. I don't know. I'm just riffing. I'm just riffing. I'm just I'm riffing. Ken Gri- I'm Ken Riffy Jr. over here. I'm just riffing. I'm just, I got, yeah. Give me some sliding. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, Dalinar's army comes, uh, hang on. Where, where are we here? Dalinar's army came right, right up to the battlefield. Moash says he's attacking. 
Maybe he figures that Sadius will lose, wants to take a stab after he retreats. No, he's joining the battle. Yeah, this, yeah, this is when he's witnessing that they're that they're joining. Right. Um, I love this, that the Parshendi army sends over archers to fire on Dalinar, but the arrows are bouncing off the chulls. I love that image. Yeah. I really, really love that. It's That's a huge awesome. contrast to what they probably have to go through every time they approach a, a, a oh. plateau. Well, that's it. I mean, like you're sacrif- like you're getting there quickly, Sadius is. Mm-hmm. But but it, it, what's also interesting about the way that they describe these two armies too is you get there quickly, but your men aren't as well trained. You get there slowly, yeah. and Dalinar's men are really well trained in battle. Right. So I love this here it's, where it's interesting. Um, the, the, you're right. This image of the archers firing on the chulls is super cool. But mm-hmm. the thing I like the, even more is when we see. Uh, they see two sh- full shard bearers leap across the chasm. They engage the Parshendi, which allow their heavy, ca- heavy cavalry to cross the bridge. And it's mm-hmm. just like, you know, we keep seeing yeah. this, like this imagery of the Parshendi leaping the chasms, but now these two uh, shard bearers do it. And we know who those two shard bearers are. Yeah. It's yeah. Dalinar and Adelin. And Adelin, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, so... It, it there's there's one little comment here that I think is interesting, and that is I think it's it's Sigzil who's commenting on this while they're observing this this mm-hmm. go on. He says, "Does it seem Sadius has taken fewer soldiers with him on this run?" Right. Uh, perhaps he planned for this. Uh, could be why he's willing to commit like he did, letting himself get get surrounded. Um. So I like this that they're they're they, you know they're kind of calculating you know what's going on in the mind of Sadius what's going in the mind of Dalinar like what's what's their strategy yeah and they and, worked and it out like right you said, the, like the bridgemen the, are, when the, sorry the the bridges are, are are cranked and lowered and extended down um and then and like you said the 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 father and son combo leap across and that's just so amazing yeah it's, it's, it's like these two you know fully trained Jedi knights yeah are you know jumping into a battle they've got they've got you know um you know maybe younger apprentices behind them maybe they've got stormtrooper or you know yeah. troopers behind them doesn't matter but you put two jedi knights in first taking the heat of the battle mm-hmm. so that the other component to your strategy is being fixed and set up Dalinar has said before that's the tactic that you should employ is the the shard right. bearer should be at the front of the we get this a little bit more later when he ends up being right. we get his perspective of going ahead of the uh, the, uh, the uh, at the front of the army you know the, right. the the tactic is your your best warrior should be at the front to not just rally the troops yeah. but to be able to put a dent into that front line but the bridge crews here are are watching the f- battle unfold and they see like Moash figures it out. He's like, I think they're going to work together. And then Cal's like, yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm surprised. Like, I'm surprised they haven't done it before. Um, it's, right. it's supposed to, it'll be more effective for them working together. Oh, I've got a theory about that coming up. Um, I like this, that, that once, that once Adeline and uh, Dalinar have, you know, have gone in, in the text, it says the, the distraction, let the soldiers get the large bridges into place and some heavy cavalry charged across to help. So just like you said, you know, them going in like that all kind of bravado enables all of his men to be set up for success right. in the battle that, that they're going to face. Right. Right. So I just, I love that. that it's- He's literally doing the exact opposite that Sadius does. Sadius throws his most vulnerable at the front yeah. to get slaughtered so that his most precious can be 
protected. Mm -hmm. And he's throwing his most precious at the front, which are the two shard bearers, to protect the most vulnerable. It says here, high princes don't just want to win the battle. They want to win it by themselves. Yeah, this, this is, is Teft a, uh, that says this. Th this is Teft being very kind yeah. of, you know, pragmatic. He's, and, he's, he's, he snorted. Yeah. He snorted this out. Well, we know he's um, we know um, he's a veteran, right? Uh, a soldier. So he, you know, he knows a little bit about how high princes think because he's served under them. I like this. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, Teft. I really, I'm. Oh, I hope we get to see Teft in action. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, I like this part here. Um, There's a part here I want to read to you. It says. Um, Moash says, I wish I'd been recruited in his army instead, meaning Dalinar's. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And then. I like that too. It says, the soldier's armor gleamed, their ranks obviously well-practiced. Dalinar, the Blackthorn, had done an even better job than Amaran, Amaram at cultivating a reputation for honesty. People knew of him all the way back in Hearthstone, but Kaladin understood the kinds of corruption a well-polished breastplate could hide. I love that right. line so much. Me too. I have it underlined. It's one of my little favorites in this chapter. Um, I like that the reputation of Dalinar precedes him, and it's the right reputation. But right. what's disheartening about it is that after so many disappointments and Amaram, Kaladin, who is a good character, just even to this point, he can't allow another Light Eyes the, the, the benefit of, of the doubt. Mm -hmm. uh, you're totally you right. Know, and it's like it sullied all of his ideas of who it, who Dalinar could potentially absolutely. be. The one glimmer of hope we have here, though, Kaladin thinks yeah. to himself, is though that man who protected the whore on the street, he wore right. blue. He wore Adeline, Dalinar's son. Yeah, he seemed mm -hmm. genuinely selfless in his defense of that woman. So, right. just that moment. So that, that's Kaladin remembering. Right. That's He's like, good. that's really. There's good. stories of uh, of Dalinar being honorable and honest. Yeah, but I know Light Eyes, though. I do remember one guy that I saw literally in action, and he was very yeah. honorable. So right, and okay. he wore the same color. He's putting it together. Right. I know, but then the next line after that is 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 the line that actually includes what I would say would be the alternate title for this chapter. Okay. So it says, Kaladin set his jaw, casting aside those thoughts. He would not be taken in again. And so what I thought would be a good title for this chapter as an alternate title. I mean, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's nothing wrong with the title, but uh, as an alternate title to get me thinking was taken in. Right. Meaning they're, they're observing. They're observing this battle and Kaladin is thinking about Dalinar. Right. And and who who that man is, who is he, and should I be taken in again? Right. The other the other so, dual nature of that taken in idea is that they mm -hmm. um they end up going into Chasm duty and so they're taken in by this other world that is the Chasms. At the bottom of those right. Chasms, it's a completely different world down there. You know, mm, and the Shattered is. Plains are desolate and then you go down into the Chasms and it's a completely different world. So they're I get you. I'm I'm on your side. Taken in taken in yeah that, that was my that was my alternate um kaladin's uh hang on soon kaladin's team led a victorious group of soldiers back to the camps right so basically the strategy worked and and he witnessed them win the day and then we go to a, a point of view change mm -hmm. uh kaladin is rolling a. I like this this is this is cool he's rolling a sphere between his fingers and not just any sphere an emerald brome yeah 
the most valuable, I think it is, of the of the denominations. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Bright crystalline green, stormlight shines from inside. And yeah, he's he's it's worth hundreds of lesser spheres. Moash is asking, well, what, what, are, what are we going to do with it? Yeah. Um, the men were working efficiently. Um, they, were, they were put on chasm duty. So arriving back early, Hashal, I think, decided, well, you know, put them in chasm duty. Might you as well. An, They've had an easy day. Right. So put them in. So what a bitch. The men are working and doing their thing. They're Yeah, she's awful. Gathering spears and armor and boots and all that sort of stuff. And here's Kaladin holding on to the most valuable piece. Right. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like here how uh, Cal does the opposite, right? Um, they go have a plateau run. They end up having an easy time of it. And Hashal's like, go have you all. Oh, you didn't work hard enough today. Go have Chasm duty. And when they right. get down there, Cal's like, you know what? We're going to forego spear practice today. Right. So he yeah. gives them the the break that they deserve off. in their training. Yeah. Yeah. I really like this. He yeah. he thinks to himself, you know, like let's salvage as much as possible today and then this way we'll mm-hmm. keep some of that salvage hidden away somewhere because they end up always really kind of going down in the same set of of, of chasms here. And so he's mm-hmm. like we'll hide some of that set salvage away for the next time when we do train and this way we can just pick that stuff up and then that'll be our salvage for that day. It's really smart uh, on Cal's part. Oh yeah, I mean, well, like he's, thinking he's ahead just, of time. he's such a great leader and putting his men, um, you know, his, or his men are always at the center of his, of his, of his heart and his, and yeah. his thoughts, right? So, unless the wretch comes back. Yeah. Um, so, so they, they got this emerald brome off a light-eyed officer that, uh, that was dead down in the chasms. Mm-hmm. Um, it was worth what a bridgeman slave, like they are, mm-hmm. would make in 200 days. That's crazy, eh? And then I love this, uh, it says wealth of fortune, simple pocket change to a light eyes. Doesn't that really sum up this sort of, um, the wealth gap, the wealth gap, the, the, the inequality, like mm-hmm. that you've got a, you've got a guy chump change for him is life and death for someone else. For sure. It's like just, uh, he was, I mean, the guy, the dude was carrying it around in his pocket on a plateau run. Whereas any right. of these other men, these bridge crew men, it would completely be life altering for them. Yeah. We all need to be more charitable. That's for sure. I love this here from Moash. He's like, you know, this, this dude Moash didn't give two fucks about the injured and the sick before. And now he's like, we could totally use this brome to feed all the sick and injured. Like, fuck off, dude. Right. You, yeah. You didn't give a fuck a, about a these nice guys before. Yeah. Moash. Yeah. He's really, uh transformed hasn't he yeah you're right because he, like he's saying because he's he's got all these big ideas with this we could feed all the bridgemen um for months we could buy all the medical supplies we want he's he's going Stormfather. we could probably bribe the camp's perimeter guards yeah. and he's going on and on then then rock is like this thing will not happen you <laughs> yeah. know this right he's got such a level to get the spheres out of the chasms well we could we could swallow them you would choke spheres <laughs> are too big eh? yeah I love this. And Kaladin's like, swallowing won't work. Yeah. You think those guards who watch us in the latrines are there to keep us from fleeing? I love this detail, by the way. Yeah. That this is in here. I'll bet some sodden parchment has to go through our droppings. Yeah. And I've seen them keep record of who visits and how often. This is so cool that Sanderson- Thought of this? Mr. Brandon, Mr. Sanderson. Put this in here. I really like that, that that they're under such close watch that even their droppings are being checked. Right. Like that's real. That's 
That's next level to put that in there. That's great. I love that. <laughs> we thought we thought Chatham Chasm duty was the shit duty, but this is shit duty. The parchment who has to do this that is, is the shit duty. I wonder if there are are there dropping spren? Uh, poop spren. Drop. Well, we know there's dung spren. Remember, there's dung. There are. Yeah, that's right. There are dung spren. Um, and then we're back to we're back to uh, Jurassic Park with the <laughs> droppings. Droppings. Yeah, those are di- dino. Dropping. Yeah, I uh, I theorized that there wasn't any uh, shit spren, but that there were taking a shit spren that you would have spren, you know, when you have a really hard one to to do or whatever, there would be spren around you. But we don't have oh, to we boy. don't have to revisit old jokes. This is a no, this is a, a new no. episode, new jokes. Come on, let's go with the new, new jokes. New episode, new joke. I I would I do miss Carl though. I like talking about Carl. Me too. Carl and I do I do miss uh, talking about the all the names that. Uh, that Mike can't read. I love that. I think it's one of the funniest things ever. Can't do it. Uh, okay. <laughs> love you, Mike. Um, so swallowing spheres can't do it. Yes, but we can't just give it to them. Can we? Oh yes, we can. Right. Kaladin is saying, um, we, we, uh, Moash is, I, th- I think, uh, I think that Kaladin comes up with this plan that, well, yeah. well, we'll, we'll give this one to them, earn some of their trust. Right. And we'll try to save these for ourselves. Right, the the lesser ones, the little pouch of lesser ones. The, right. Yeah, and Rock's like, yeah, well, we'll be seen as you know being honest if we give the expensive one. That's a good idea. And then Moash yep. is like, he keeps looking at this emerald brome. It's almost like, you know, the ring in Lord of the Rings to Moash. He's like, it's the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. Yeah. And then Cal's like, you know what? I used I once held a goblet full of hundred right. diamond bromes. And they were, I was told they were mine. And Moash is like, what? How? What? How? And then, and then Kaladin has a thought. He's like, oh, you know what? I, maybe I shouldn't be talking about these things. Right. So then he asks where Dunny is. Ooh, too soon. Too soon, Cal. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what do you mean, where's Dunny? Well, because this is, because he wears Dunny's it. Because Moash is like, really? What? You held all those diamonds? Wow. And then, oh, right. And then he just and doesn't finish his thought. Dunny. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. He doesn't and actually, he says, see, this on. is the problem, we, we, right? We need to be quick. This is the problem we're going to run into is saying, where's Dunny? This close to Dunny's death is like almost disrespectful. And it's also confusing. It is. I'm actually a little, I'm a little upset that Dunny's gone. So me too. Still, still getting over that one. It does hurt. Um, well, I, I just I just want to bring up that, that Rock and, and Lopin are using Sill's directions, um, continuing to use Sill's directions. Um, yeah. And found a mass of corpses um, in red and brown uniforms. Um, been missing the been missing the like the Sill component to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. In the, these most recent chapters, Sill has yeah Sill ha- I, I I took note of that for this chapter too. Um, mm-hmm. when she goes off to find the Parshman, I'm like, oh, we haven't seen Syl, um, all that right. much. The, the, she's around, but her interactions with Cal are lesser or they're off page. Right. They're just, yeah. Well, they're, 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 they're still trying to concoct this way of like, how to get these spheres and right. silent green life spren began to fade into existence around, around him, uh, bobbing mm-hmm. around the moss and haspers. A few frill brooms opened up, uh, fronds of red and yellow inside, or sorry, beside his head. I just loved all this little detail mm-hmm. um, stuff. It's, and you're right, Kaladin had a thought about Denny's death. Yeah. Bridge four wasn't safe. Um, a lot of the same thoughts he's had, you know, over the course of the last little while. And then uh, we get this cool part here with uh, uh, with Sigzil. Maps, Maps asks, yeah, he's Sig. Uh, yeah, 
He's like, yeah. hey, uh, tell tell us a tale. <laughs> You're a world singer, my, right? Yeah, in my intro, he's like, I'm not a jester or a storyteller. Like, I don't tell stories. Yeah, and, 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 and Sigzil's looking over at Rock. He's like, you're the one to blame for this, that people know <laughs> yeah, exactly, that I'm a yeah. world singer. God he's like, it, this is yeah. your fault. Um, or he's, as if to say it's your fault. Yeah, we, yeah. why don't you give us a tale? I'm not a foolish jester or storyteller. Yeah. I do not give tales. I spread knowledge of cultures, peoples, thoughts, and dreams. Yeah. I bring peace through understanding. It is the holy charge my order received from the heralds themselves. Cool, eh? And then Maps is, oh, it's so cool. And then Maps is like, well, why not start spreading them? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Very well. What is it you wish to hear about? I don't know, something interesting. Tell us about Bright King as Lancy and the 100-ship fleet, Leighton calls. And he doesn't want to tell that story. Yeah, he says that he's not, he's still not a storyteller and he doesn't tell tavern stories. He tells history and he tells, like, he tells yeah. places, right? And then this right. is the cool part here. Cal mm-hmm. asks if there's a place where people live in gouges in the ground. This is... Right. Based on what he saw, right? Flying over the continent, yeah. A city built in an enormous complex of lines all set into the rock, and then immediately Sigzil says, Sesamalex Dar. Yeah. And see, this is the reveal again, Jack. We get the three-part reveal again, right? We get Cal flying over... We get Dalinar and Hatham talking about Sesamalex Dar, and then now we right. get an explanation of and what it a, is. And now you get the explanation. And a description. Which actually we'll get more to in the info dump. There's a lot to talk about, about the Amuli and the uh, Sesamalex Dar. We don't have to like really like go through all the little finer points right now. Let's let's save that for the info dump. Yes, we do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's fine. Uh, he's just he's saying it's a, you know one of the most ancient of cities. Um, it was named uh, by Jezrian himself, and Malop says, "Jezrian, who's that? Will you call him the Stormfather here right. in Althkar, mm-hmm. or Jezera Elin? He was the king of the heralds, master of the storms, bringer of water and life, known for his fury and his temper, but also for his mercy." And then Kaladin saying, "Well, tell me more about about the city." Right. I love here how then, Cal um, sees Sigzil. Um, when he's talking about this place and he's talking about his travels to Amul with his master, um, he sees the joy radiate from Sigzil. We get a lot of information mm-hmm. here, but the I think the point of it is is that we're getting to know Sigzil through the story he's telling, and um, I really really love well, that. Well, he's got it's, all that's this really really cool. He loves. He's he's eager to share. Like he's eager to share this, right? right. Like he wasn't eager to to share Layton's. Uh, fantasy story that he wanted to hear right. about some some right. battle he doesn't or something. care about that stuff but this he's like you know like this this we should be talking about a city that protects itself against the high storms yeah protects itself from flooding the people are known to be expert creme potter uh potters which i like a lot i love that world yeah. building That's i love really imagining cool. like the pottery yeah um and then, then they 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 talk about the tribes we'll get into the finer details later in the info dump What's that? I'm trying to give you a heads up here that we're saving this stuff for the info dump. Oh, okay. So, like, so you want to skip? Over. This is just so cool. It's so cool. <laughs> it's because I haven't. It's because I haven't had very much stuff in the info dump lately, and now we finally get some info dump. <laughs> <laughs> I think the most important part here of this tale that, or not tale, but of the, what Sigzil's telling us is that it's reaffirming to Cal that that dream he had was real, right? 
he's like the was same actually real. Yeah, yeah. It was the same city. Um, and he s- says to himself, he can't ignore anymore the speed at which he healed or the vision he had when he flew over Correct. the continent. Something was happening to him. Well, he's actually acknowledging it as something supernatural. He's saying something right. odd was happening to him, something supernatural. Right. And he said, is it related to all the, the people that die around me? Like this is the wretch yeah, poking bit, his head out again that's here. That's a bit of the wretch yeah. there. But um, he, uh, at least he is acknowledging something is going on. Which, truthfully, Tef's been trying to odd that in him in the, in the right direction the entire time, but having a hard time of it. I like also that he's noticing here, or he's noting rather, he's saying that he had lost Dalit and the others in his original squad under Amaram. Right. His experience as a soldier has told him that men who could not fight were at a severe disadvantage against the world of storms mm-hmm. or a, a, a world filled with storms. Yeah. And I find that in some way, the allure that with, with the vision, the city itself, um, sorry, I'm f- kind of forgetting the name here. Sesamalek Star. Star. So it's almost like the city itself is like the way Kaladin would prefer. Right. It to be, it's, it's a, it's a character. It's dug in, it's protected. Right. It is going, it's fighting against the storm. Mm-hmm. It's doing what it can to survive. Right. This is like right? the um, the antithesis of protecting from the high storm. We have rock buds. We have all these uh, flora and fauna that have like evolved to these storms. Um, you know, like and they, cities like and they're um, doing it. Hearthstone have this like windows only on one side and they're slanted in a certain way to be able to protect from the uh, this high storms. But this city here is like completely and totally safe from these storms. It's really, really cool. Right. More on that later. Kaladin squeezes his eyes shut, remembering one of his escape attempts when he'd left fellow slaves uh, free for an entire week hiding in the wilderness. That was when he lost... I want to mention this. That was when he'd lost Nalma. Hmm. Is that the first time we get that name dropped? I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's lost a lot of people over the course of the little while, so... And this is Sigzil talking still about about this event Mm -hmm. and about these Emuli. And he says... They wage war in the opposite way from you, Alethi. Right. The sword is not a weapon for a leader. A halberd is better than a spear and best of all, a bow and arrow. So like a leader, uh, I guess, does not get up into the fray or if they do, a distance is, uh, I guess, it's um, best. is best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Cal asks him if that. he knows how to use a bow. Building, but it's cool. And Sigzel's like, well, I've, you know, I've held one, but I don't, I'm not really good at it. And this is where Cal's idea for the pouch starts to form. Right. Yeah, this is, in, I really like this from Sil too. Um, um, spear, I mean, because people are hearing all this story come out of uh, Sigzel right. and they're, they're, they're questioning things. So Drahi is saying, spears used by light eyes? That's ridiculous. And Sigzel says, why? I find the Amuli way to be interesting. In some countries... It is seen as displeasing to fight at all. To the Shin, for instance, mm-hmm. if you must fight a man, then you have already failed. Yeah. Killing is at best a brutish way of solving problems. So I love, I love that, that, that you bring up the Shin again and right. we get to 
think about Zeth again right. and his utter torment. It's in... even more than we thought oh, because he comes from a culture it's... that abhor the right. idea of violence. So yeah, it's right. And he's just so good at it. Yeah. Yeah. A little, little too good. Um, and I think Sigzil finishes this, this little bit by saying, I honestly would prefer to put more distance between myself and my enemy. And that, like you said, Kaladin asks him about a bow. Yeah. Um, and he says, among my people, the bow is a noble, a noble weapon. So yeah, that's interesting mm-hmm. that it leads to that. And then of course that leads to Kaladin getting the gears turning and thinking, okay, each time we come scavenging, we're going to save a few spears, yep. stash them down here. Shouldn't take long to gather enough to practice with. And uh, then they're asking, or Teft asks, how will we get them out when it's time to escape? He says, I'll, I'll, fi- I'll find a way. Yeah. And Scar's like, you say things like that a lot. I love that. Yeah. And then Moash <laughs> defends him here. He's like, leave off, leave off Scar. He knows what he's doing. And then Kaladin thinks, did Moash just defend me? Just defend me? Like, yeah. what the hell's happening he's here? he's made such a transformation. Yeah. He like completely yeah. trusts him now. Yeah. Um... So the, the the next note I have about is about a quarter hour later, they come to a place where Sil uh, finds a right. scattered group of Parshendi mm-hmm. that are laying there dead. Kalan, Kaladin rolls a body, one of these Parshendi on its side, and then Shen, their Parshendi bridgeman, yeah. bridge four member, new recruit, Shen pushes forward in an uncharacteristic display of passion. Right. So it's like the first time we see Shen mobilized to do anything. To do anything. Yeah. And then Sigzil says they're all like that, right? Sigzil says they're all like that. All the uh, parchment workers are all like that. They, they, the only thing that they're passionate about is their dead. And it's because they're, they're allowed to, to, um, to actually take care of their dead. I love that Teft acts so quickly as he promised Kaladin he would. He doesn't trust Shen. It's not going to happen. So he reacts right away, puts him in a chokehold. The other bridgeman stood aghast, uh, and... Though several and and, and I, I underline this too is it's small but it's really cool. The other bridgemen stood aghast. Though several fell into their stances by reflex. What a Just difference like, from bridge bridge four. Yeah, like yeah. they go from nameless, hopeless individuals to Shen. Shen moves forward suddenly, and the men Taft all reacts immediately, yeah. and all the other men go into a stance like a like you know. Mm-hmm. This, this is Kaladin's achievement. This is the training, right? This right. is, a, it's actually this working. Yeah. It's really, oh, really it's cool. Amazing. He tells Teft to let him go, right? Let him go. Yeah. He's like, yeah. let him go. Um, and then Shen comes over to the corpse and pushes, uh, uh, Cal aside and Cal's like, well, we have to salvage the bodies. So Teft, you're going to have to hold them. Right, and then Sigzil is actually explaining. Well, well, Lopin actually comments. He says he's protective of the Parshendi bodies, Gancho. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Sigzil pipes in, says Parshman workers they they grow irate if anyone else handles the bodies. They wrap them in linen and carry them out into the wilderness, typically, and leave them on a slab of stone. And then Kaladin. Oh yeah, I underline this. Kaladin regards this this um, information and says, "I wonder." Mm-hmm. He's getting an idea here. Yeah, and I and then I was trying to get an idea, and I thought, well, what? That leave them out in the stone. That oh, hang on here. Odd that. Hang on, hang on what here. What are you thinking? Are the Parshendi coming back? Is that why their numbers are always replenished? 
Are they laying the dead out and then they're getting infused by a storm? Um, is that ha- is that actually happening? I mean, I I mean, I can't I'm tell just you. Thinking that now. I can't tell you anything. Okay, I'm gonna have to write that down in our theory. Uh, well, I don't know, but that I'll put that list. on my 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 list of theories. Um, wow, what does that mean? If they're coming, well, no, but 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 they encounter Parshman dead in the chasms. Well, they are right now. Right, but they're not laid out on a on a stone hmm. stone slab. Weird. That's really cool. I don't know. Well, he's getting something, uh, Jack. Something. Uh, uh, Kaladin's getting an idea of something here. We're just not sure what it is. Um, right, but he yeah, does say, "Let's scavenge from the Parshendi Teft. You're going to have to hold Shen back. Um, I can't have them trying to stop us." Um, but he says, "Let's be respectful to the dead." And they're like, "But they're Parshendi." He's like, "I know." But it bothers Shen, and Shen's one of us. So and let's try us. to keep his irritation to a minimum. I like this. Right. He doesn't have to th- worry like about this. But he's he trying to be respectful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Sigzel asks um, about finding a bow. Yeah, they find one. the The bowstring is broken, but they do find a spare bowstring. Right. Mm-hmm. And then Cal's like, and then that's when they get this. Yeah, Cal's like, does anybody know how to use this? And Rock says, "Is simple. Do your uh, yeah, do, yeah, do, do it." Yeah, I well, I, I don't know if I can do if I have the text here. Um, yeah, is is simple. Rock said, uh, "Put arrow on string, point away from self, pull very hard, let go." Come on, what, what is this? What's wrong with you? This That's is so what funny. you do. You, you. What's it? What's it? What's it calling me? The high, not not, not the Highlanders, the high. Uh, Low, low, low airlanders. Yeah, the airsick lowlander. Airsick lowlanders. Yes, yes. Is is simple, and I like that. The that was so okay. So basically, Kaladin's coming up with this, with this idea. We tie the bag. Yeah. Of the spheres that they want to keep, and we're going to use the arrow, right? And shoot an arrow up underneath the bridge, and we can collect it at an, at another time, right? And if they put it in the right kind of place at the right uh, sort of side of the bridge, it'll be easy to get, and then they can acquire these these things later. Right. Um, when we're on a bridge run, Lopin and Dabid can hang back to get uh, a drink near the bridge. They reach under the wood and pull the arrow off, and then we get the spears. Right, exactly. So, so Cal's like, so okay, here's totally that's, great. that's my idea. That's can the, anyone do that's it? That's the plan. And then Sigil's like, yeah. I have no confidence at all in myself. He's like, I told you I held one before, but I could not do this. And Tef's like, well... And it, you know, how, I guess I'll do it. How, how hard can it be? And then Rock's like, um, it's pretty fucking hard, bro. It's, it's like yeah. 50 feet up. This is not an easy shot. No. He's like, you can't, you have, the counter you have to the hit bag. perfectly because you don't, he's like, you don't want it in the middle of the, the bridge. You want it near the side so right. that the bag won't be seen. Yeah. If you miss, then you're going to see an arrow fly out of the chasm and then the guards are going to see that. He's like, mm-hmm. and plus you're adding weight to the arrow. Like, this is a really hard shot. This is not as easy as you think. Right. And then Tef's like, you know, we could use a rope. Next time we can just get a rope and we'll just l- l- throw the rope down and then we'll be able to pull up as we leave, pull up the stuff and then just have it that way. And Lopin's like, yeah, I got a cousin who's, hey, Gancho, I got a cousin who sells rope. And he's <laughs> like, you have another cousin? It's like, yeah, it's good to have cousins. Actually, that's one of the things I had underlined here. Like, is that was see at the end? Yeah, a man can never yeah. have enough cousins. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> that's, that's my highlight at the end of the so chapter. Fun. Well, yeah, but we're, we're so almost funny. there. But there's this little this little event that happens. So basically, I think we're skipping here, but basically Rock pulls off this shot. Yeah, he does okay. it. But um, he says, so he, totally he says, we it, can't do, it. we can't have more than five spheres, uh, spheres in the bag because it'll be too much weight. Right. So sure yep. we'll do it, but only five spheres. So they decide to take five sapphires. I like this little bit of distrust that happens um, in the in the text here. So, um, right. So Scar is folding his arms and saying, "This is stealing, you know." Yes, Kaladin says, and I don't feel the least bit bad about it. Do you? Not at all, Scar says. I figure once someone is trying to get you killed, all expectations of your loyalty are tossed to the storm. Mm-hmm. But if someone were to go to Gaz, right, and then other 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 bridgemen start to get nervous, and. Uh, then Dre, he pipes up and says, well, maybe we should post a watch, you know, make sure nobody sneaks off to Gaz. And Kaladin shuts this down immediately and yeah. says, we'll do no such thing. What are we going to do? Lock ourselves in the barracks, so suspicious of each other that we never get out or, or never get anything done? Shakes his head. He says, no, this is just one more danger. It's a real one, but we can't waste energy spying on each other. Yeah. So we keep going. They're already in, then, like they're already like two feet in on this plan. Like anybody could mm-hmm. betray them about the plan to escape. Oh yeah, right. Like that alone. What's the difference between that, now the that spheres? Information alone could already have gone out. Yeah, you're right. right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I like what he says later. He just reaffirms it. We're bridge four. We face death together. We have to trust each other. You can't run into battle wondering if your comrades are going to switch sides suddenly. He met the eyes of each man in turn. I trust you, mm-hmm. all of you. We'll make it through this. And we'll do it together. I love this. He says to them, awesome. I trust you. Yeah. Cal doesn't trust many people, but he trusts these men. No. And that's really right. important for them. You know, that is really important, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's important that's for his... him to put his trust in them, yeah. but it's also important for them to feel trusted. It's a really good moment. Well, and this is, so this is interesting. And so this is adding to the complexity of these characters. So, so we so we get him saying that to his men. We're going to make it through this, and we're going to do it together. Yeah. But then a moment later, Sill lands on his shoulder and says, "Do you want me to watch the others and make sure nobody does what Scar thinks they might?" And Kaladin nods. Yeah. Yep. Best to be safe. Right. He just didn't want the men to have to think that way. Right. And it's it's a good See, leader I move. I love that. It's just it's I like the complexity. Yeah. In, in, in the writing is that, you know, you, you, you get used to a dimensional character, just like, just like Shallan, right? Right. You start walking down the dimensions of Shallan and there's one dimension. She's an artist, two dimensions. She's, a thief. you know, interested in, 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 in learning and, and, um, you know, but then you add the, the thief dimension. Yeah. Oh, Can I trust a, her? She's a thief. Am I supposed she, to be a, able to trust this person? She's a deceiver. Right. Yeah, like so. So it's that's that's what's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's it's like Zeth. You know, Zeth is a is a cold blooded killer, right. exceptionally talented, but comes from a culture of peace, and, and he literally cries literally through an entire battle. As he's doing it, right? Yeah, like that is just such a dichotomous. It's just it's a paradox. It's crazy. It's you know, it's, it's really so cool. It's, it's and these characters. So are, many of the characters are kind of like yeah. That. These characters are painted with more than one color. They they use all of right. the all the paints in Shalon's uh, 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 paint kit. Oh yeah, yeah, it's great. Paint the heck out of that. Yeah, there's very very little uh, very little finger painting in this. 
yeah. So, so they do decide that they are going to do the, um, uh, the, the, the rope idea anyways. Um, you really think right. you can buy some rope without drawing attention? And he's like, yeah, my cousins never failed me. Gotcha. <laughs> um, yeah. He's like, okay, we're going to need it. Do it, Lopin. I'll make the changes. Uh, the ch- uh, I'll make change from the spheres to pay for it. So Cal's got yeah. another idea now. He's figured out how to get the spheres, but now he's going to use this rope for something else. And we're not sure right. what it is yet. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your highlight for this chapter? Highlight? I don't know. Um, highlight the, um, hmm. I don't know. I, I didn't really, I didn't really get my asterisks going here for, for highlight. Um, uh, well, what's yours? And if you, if you got one and then maybe I'll uh, chime in. I think my, I think my highlight is, um, is learning more about Sigzil through this story mm. that he tells that we'll talk a little bit more about in the info dump. Um, right. I like Sigzil as a character. Um, and anytime he is kind of thrust to the forefront of the, of the story, it's great because, you know, we get, we get a lot of the same characters here, right? We get Kaladin perspectives and Dalinar perspectives and Adeline perspectives, but within that Kaladin perspective, we're getting a really nice chunk of Sigzil. And I like, I really like that. I really like it when we get to have these bridgemen fleshed out as characters, not just as, um, as, uh, right. um, foils for, or not foils, but for, um, pawns people to surround Kaladin, right? Like, right. I think I like, I like this, uh, the, the Sesame Alex Dar, um, musings, like just thinking about it descriptively, Kaladin's interest in confirming his, his, his dream, uh, escape, if you will. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then I liked, uh, I liked that little idea that I had about, uh, Sesame Alex Dar is like a character and Kaladin sees himself in the city. Right. Right. You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, in, you know, reaching, I think. Inferring, there, but, but uh, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to inferring. Infer. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's, mm-hmm. that's it. Overall, a great chapter. And the next one is just as cool or better. Chapter 56. Chapter 56. That Storming Book. Mm-hmm. Man, this is one that hell of a chapter. Book. It's a doozy. Yeah, this... Um, yeah, it's a big chapter. This is a big yeah, deal. Yeah, it is. Um, so, yeah, this uh, this um, death quote at the beginning here, it's... Uh, I find it's, like, one mm. of the saddest ones we've had. Um, it says... Uh, it is. Light it grows really so is. distant, the storm n- never stops. I am broken, and all around me have died. I weep for the end of all things. He has won. Oh, he has beaten us. Holy jeez, man. That's sad. Yeah, that's the wretch. Yeah, it sounds like the wretch. I weep for the end of all things. Wow, that's big. It says here... um, Yeah, he has won. Yeah. Oh, he has beaten us. Who do you think that is? Do you you think that there's talking about a person or... I think, well, I mean, the the subject of this uh, death quote is a Thalen sailor. Mm -hmm. So it could be the he could be the storm. Right. The storm never stops. He has one. I don't know if it's. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I don't know. He has one. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's a, it's a sad one. So this chapter really, um, okay, this starts off with a bang. First, first line is Dalinar fought the thrill pulsing within him, swinging his shard blade from atop Gallant's mm-hmm. back. So he's just, you know, riding 
you know, right into these Parshendi. He's got axes and maces being swung at him uh, repeatedly, yeah. which he notes here, or is noted that it could crack right. his plate, which I thought was really, really cool that right away you're sort of observing that he's not uh, impervious to coming down from these Parshendi right. attacks. Like, even though he's a shard bearer, there's, there's a limit to what he right. can take. Yeah, they're... Right, they're regarded so, as these like demigods on the battlefield, but they can be taken down. It's, I mean, we see a little later that mm-hmm. Sadius almost gets taken down, and he's wearing shard plates, so it's uh, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. It, he's got to be careful. I like, I love uh, his Rishadium horse yeah, g- awesome. uh, gallant. Um, it's amazing. I, I like this little description uh, right at the top of the chapter: gallant moving, dancing from side to side. <laughs> I really yeah, like cool. that with the dancing. I can really picture that. His honor guard would only approach if he, Dalinar, um, fell or encountered trouble. Again, these shard bears, they're just, they're so dangerous. They're even dangerous to right. his own Right, he has man. to stay away from them. Like, they have to stay back. The swords are mm-hmm. long. Yeah, like, this is a very, like, it's not like, you know, close quarter fighting. Like, you really got to give a shard bear a lot of uh, right. girth, you know? Yeah, he's just butchering so, dudes here, man. He's just full on the butcher. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. The way he takes on the Parshendi squad after squad, these squads keep coming in, and um, it's funny because he's noticing when these squads are coming in, he's like, "Geez, you know, there's something something kind of odd about these right. Parshendi, or some of them." Um. That, the, that their cheek structure was just a little off. And then he's 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 sort of thinking, was that a woman? Like a female yeah. Parshendi? Like, could it be? Yeah, he ruminates on this a little bit, so, in a, a little bit after, but he, he like... Yeah. He notices, he's like, wait a minute, the Parshendi fight in pairs. One has a beard with gemstones woven in and the other one's clean shaven. And they've right. always... The right. scholars have always assumed that this means some kind of apprenticeship, like that there is a young uh, mm-hmm. uh, Parshendi and an older Parshendi and that they fight in pairs so that the older one can teach the younger one how to fight. But he starts thinking that maybe all the sha- clean shaven ones are women. And like we've never noticed because they have this yes. like carapace yeah. armor that m- could be hiding like the, the bulk of the, the, the womanly uh, female form. And he goes... And the bearded ones are slightly smaller than the, the uh, or the beardless ones are right. slightly smaller than the bearded ones. And then he has this weird thought. He's like, could the bearded ones and the beardless ones be husband and wife fighting together? Right. Yeah. This just blows that's his mind. So, that's so, it's, it's such a neat uh, observation. And, and further to that, to that uh, realization, he's also thinking, you know, is it possible that despite six years of war, that nobody has taken time to investigate the genders of those that we fight? Right. They know so little you about know? the Parshendi. It's, just, it's, it's such an interesting, right. Yeah, exactly. A, a little bit before, uh, uh, in terms of the, the Spren heads hmm. that are out yes. there, there were Glory Spren um, sort of winking around uh, Dalinar as he was, uh, you know, becoming the the Blackthorn for, for a little bit, um, mowing down these, these Parshendi warriors. And uh, said here, Dalinar lowered his shard blade, the metal gleaming glory spread winking into the air around him. Um, but it also says here that there's another reason that he was thinking of that his men should stay away from him in battle. And that was that 
A shard-bearer in battle wasn't just a force of destruction, but he was a force of morale and inspiration. Yeah, that's really cool. So I love yeah, that. It's... that. That Dalinar knows that about his responsibility or duty, I guess, being a shard-bearer, that he's willing to put himself at risk, at great risk, to be this source of inspiration, right. you know, and, and, to, and to stand out front. And it's a great tactic. It's like what we talked about for the last chapter where, you know, um, Cal is seeing, um, in essence, uh, um, Dalinar and Adeline leap across the chasm to be able to make way for his men. And he's kind of started doing that now. He's clearing an, a way for his men to be able to follow behind him. Um, the glory right. spin is all uh, is all amazing because he is being glorious. But this dude, this whole chapter is a friggin' horror show. It is disgusting. And there's there's a part here I want to read. Um, it says, since the Parshendi were broken for the moment, Dalinar climbed free of Gallant and uh, dropped to the rocks. Corpses lay unbloodied all around him. Right? He's not cutting into them. This is what we talked about um, with the. Uh, we'll talk about this in a little right. bit about how the blade works and the resistance. Um, so when he cuts into people, there's no blood, there's yeah. no actual cut, right? No. And so these bodies all there's around no him resistance. are, yeah, there's no resistance. He's, these unbloodied bodies are just all around him. And it says here, right. once he approached the place where his men fought, cause they're using actual swords, there is orange, red blood staining the rocks. Kremlings scuttled about on the ground, lapping up the liquid. They're actually literally drinking the blood that's leaking out of these, these Parshendi and the, and and the men, the humans. And then pain spren are reaching up from the ground to suck on the pain of these dying people. Like, uh, let's not be uh, um, fooled here. Dalinar is a glorious, amazing warrior, but there is absolute horror all around him right now. On this battlefield. Yeah. And it really, like, in, in talking about the pain spren and the the Kremlings that are kind of uh, um, a, a part of this horror that's that's unfolding, it, it seems really vampiric yeah. or parasitic that one event happens and then it causes another another uh, feeding, if you will, yeah. of, of another uh, en- entity. Yeah. So it, it really, it, it kind of adds to the grotesque nature of... Because everything is sort of feeding on the other. You'd think that the... Ultimately, on on this destruction. Right, you'd think that the horror would uh, would end with the attack of someone attacking someone else. The the horror of battle is enough, but then the after effects, the horror doesn't stop there. It continues afterwards with these creatures, like these spren coming up to feed on the the pain and, and these Kremlings drinking up the blood. It's just, it's really disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, um, like I said, it's, it seems kind of empiric mm-hmm. to me. Um, did you want to talk a little bit about the, the, well, the, the shard mean, blade thing here? We had, we kind of mentioned it. Yeah. The shard blade. I mean, yeah. Like I like the idea. Like I think that in the way that they're describing, like, you know, that, that you have to stay back when, when shard bears are using these weapons, source of inspiration mm-hmm. and morale. Yeah. I, I get that. But, but at the when when the blade is hitting its mark there's there's no resistance it feels like you're moving it through the mm-hmm. air so you have to hold it very differently from a sword or or, right. or another weapon and i just I, I can't help but think that it must be like a, a um a laceration or or a, or a severance if you will of of um 
at the molecular or at the or, or at the atomic level like it because because the cut is just so right. clean so perfect i don't even you know, know to be just, honest i, I mean, don't even know if they're cutting like i don't even know if there is a gash that is there after a shard blade goes through you i think it literally passes through right. you and then you lose Right. You like you uh they say about like the uh, eyes going dark and like the you know it's like almost like the blade has like killed the the soul inside has bypassed this mortal right. coil and killed the the essence the spirit inside. Yeah. Yeah. Like even a lightsaber yeah, when really, when uh, a Jedi uses a lightsaber and this is historically the the weapon that we talk about with this kind of stuff, you know, um it's hard for a Jedi to use a lightsaber because there's l- like um little resistance a lightsaber will go through an arm or a torso but there is resistance it has to burn its way through right um right but this is absolutely no resistance at all it just passes through like you said like it's going through air it's got to be really tricky it's amazing well he he mentions that it's completely different from using any other weapon yeah. I also like here too that as he's thinking about these the couples and he's thinking about the facial features of the Parshendi and then he's thinking, you know, um everyone just wants these these Parshendi dead. Right. So all of those around him, all the Alethi, and um and that the Alethi were were good at killing. It's what's it's it's what they do. And then he's thinking to himself, and you're supposed to be killing them now too, like instead of you know analyzing their, their right. culture, like 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 what are you doing, Donner? Let's get <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, like gear. wake up, bud. <laughs> like let's go. <laughs> so it's it's funny. Like he's he's slaying all these things, and then he's thinking, he's having all these thoughts while he's doing it. It's it's, it's quite yeah. Uh, he, it's quite. And he's like thinking about how he notices he much his he son. He sees his son to the south. Uh, right. He's talking about how much right. he respects them, and he's like, wait a minute, I gotta stop talking, thinking about respect. I I really gotta get to this battle here. Like I gotta focus. Yeah. Focus on the on the task at hand instead yeah. of you know going off on these on these tangents re- re- regarding their history and their their regarding their the placement of their cheekbones <laughs> right <laughs> it's, it's it's funny um he sees his son's uh, his son's banner to to the south he's bringing in a, a division against the Persian. Mm-hmm. and he just sort of notes here in the text that um that adeline has been uncharacteristically uh, reserved lately for being wrong about Sadius. Right. Which I thought that was kind of uh, kind of a neat little observation. I think too that there's probably another reason why he's been a little reserved. He, uh, we we know from past chapters that Adeline has felt sort of guilty for forcing his father into this abdication idea. Right, right. He doesn't want that at all, and so maybe there's a little bit of that too. There is a part here I wanted mm-hmm. to bring up because we talked about it last uh, last chapter. Um, he says here that um, on the west side, Sadius's banner flew proudly. Sadius's force is keeping the Parshendi from the chrysalis. He had arrived first as before. So this as before implies that the battle that we saw with Kaladin, uh, that the bridge force saw, right. was the first time that, that it happened. Because it, had it happened before that time, Cal and the bridge four would have noted it. So they noted it this time. So that was the first time. And then they he arrived first as before. So whether or not this is the second, third, or fourth time that they've done this tactic, we're not sure. But it's not the first time. So this is not the yeah. same battle. Right. Yeah, it says here that the Parshendi fought like chasm fiends. They're, they're, they fought with, with bravery. Uh, Dalinar is noticing that they fought with bravery. So that's, you know, he's giving a nod to these Parshendi mm-hmm. and also thinking about them as he's fighting them. 
Um, and then, yeah, it says here, landing a blow uh, was like, sorry, like passing the sword through the air right. itself. That's what we were talking about. Yeah. But then after all of this, all this felling of these Parshendi around him, he, um, uh, he feels a great surge of satisfaction and followed by right. nausea. There's, um, there's a part here that we should mention is, he says, it was still no means easy fighting these Parshendi. The Parshendi fought like chasm fiends. Yeah. Um, this makes me think of the hunt when they went on the big uh, great shell hunt of the, um, right. the chasm fiend. And Dalinar said then that um, when you fight a chasm fiend, you're in or you're out. There is no, there's no in between. Once you fight them, um, they're not going to back down. They're never going to run away. They're either going to fight until they're dead or you're dead. And he's liking them to the, right. the Parshendi. And that's kind of what the Parshendi are doing here. They're very ferocious in battle. Yeah, he. Um, it's it's interesting all this conflict within him during this. Mm-hmm. Um, he does he does sort of think back to the glory days and think you know um, when the thrill hit him the most, the strongest, subduing the high princes with Gavilar mm-hmm. in his youth, forcing back the Vedans, fighting the Herdasians, and destroying the Akakreshi. But then he also he also admits here that once the thirst for battle had nearly led him to attack Gavilar himself, mm-hmm. the man who had won. Navani's hand. Right. So this was very tempting to Dalinar. He's admitting it here. We've talked before um, about um, a barbarian and Dungeons and Dragons, a barbarian's berserker rage, and this is very emblematic right. of that. Like he's on the verge of attacking his own brother, and that's what a berserker right. used to do back in the day. Is you know they, they'd yeah. attack their own friends. And, um, uh, you've, uh, like offline earlier, we were talking and you, um, you noted, um, the difference between thrill with a capital T and thrill with a t- small T and how important right, yeah. it is to have that capital T there. That distinction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's really cool. Uh, wind stance is mentioned a few times in this chapter that, uh, Dalinar uses. I just want to throw that out there, keeping with the, the wind theming and, and this fight here, leading up to these events, where these par- these Parshendi, uh, Dalinar deals with most of them, but one gets close, right. and it forces Dalinar to drop his blade, which goes into a puff of mist, and he raises up his arm and blocks a hammer blow from the Parshendi, and then he swings with his other arm, smashing his fist into the Parshendi's shoulder. The blow tosses the the Parshendi to the ground, and then gritting his teeth, Dalinar steps up, kicks the man in the chest. Um, throwing the body a good 20 feet through the yeah, air. This is crazy. And he'd learned to be wary of Parshendi that weren't fully ca- incapacitated. So he, he, he knows that just because a Parshendi is down doesn't mean it's over. So he kicks him away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like and out of there. With him that way. And that's, this reminds you of something, doesn't really it? Cool. What's that? Of, um, Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, so that uh, yeah, I can't help but the, all of these images, like when these j- j- right at the beginning with with this battle, like th- these um, these shard bears coming into the battle, they're like it, it's like Sauron in the beginning of the battles in, in uh, Fellowship. And well, this, this would be the in in the Fellowship in the film series, 
Um, and Sauron is just blowing guys away yeah. with his mace. He's got this heavy mace. He's swinging it around, and, and you see just, I think, one scene where a few of his blows are, you know, tossing into the air 10, 10 or 12 right. men around him yeah. fr- fr- from the impact of this. So that's the kind of sort of imagery I get when I'm thinking about um And he actually shardiers. ends up, Dalinar ends up using sort of this tactic later whenever he, um, he needs some space to work. He ends up pulling the... Warhammer out, and he's doing just that. He's knocking guys back with his Warhammer, which yeah. is just badass, man. Well, and then he gets kind of nervous because he looks. He says, um, "What was that over the next plateau?" Mm-hmm. It looked like a second Parshendi army. And I did have a theory here initially, which I think um, we've been able to debunk it because my my initial thought when I was reading this is, oh, is this like balancing itself out? Like, you know, the fact that Sadius has joined up with Dalinar and they've got two armies mm-hmm. here and now the Parshendi army is responding. So is there kind of a, a yin and yang, like a mirror kind of image of these mm-hmm. two peoples, of the Alethi and the Parshendi? But then I started to think as well, um, another theory is that perhaps there are other parties who are not interested in Dalinar and Sadius being right. successful in their efforts to end this war. Oh, there's a lot of money, right? There's a lot of money to be made. Or bring it to it. Well, there's that. And, um, you know, there could be some personal reasons regarding Dalinar. I don't know. R- regardless, um, I think that the reactions of the Parshendi, and we're going to see it coming up in a bit, uh, where Dalinar comments on the Parshendi's mm-hmm. tactics, including raising up, you know, sharpened uh, poles or sticks or spears against incoming right. cavalry. These kind of uh, these kind of tactics were not used previously before right. with the Parshendi, nor nor was having a mm-hmm. second army. But I'll tell you, if someone was to tell the Parshendi or inform them of Sadius's and Dalinar's intentions, maybe that's what's fueling mm-hmm. these changes. I like this theory. I, um, I don't know. I would, I would push I against that just a little bit because of something that's actually in the text. Um, Dalinar um, thinks to himself, well, we brought two armies last time we fought, so it makes sense why the so Parshendi the would same. bring two, two. They're expecting us to do this tactic now. Um, he also right. thinks, I wonder if this means that the Parshendi have been limiting themselves on the battlefield. Why have they been bringing such smaller numbers? And he starts to think, well, maybe it's mobility. He's like, but they just leap across chasms. So mobility for them is nothing that the size of their army is not going to slow them down. They literally run over here and then leap chasm to chasm. So he's very confused as to why they've always brought smaller armies and why now they can feel a larger Armory to go against Dalinar and Sadius's larger army. So all all I can offer is that they don't want annihilation. They don't desire. They don't desire um, that the Alethi are destroyed. Right. They. It appears if, if if that's true, then it would appear like if they're really limiting themselves joining the army, then it could be that they quite simply want you know, a status quo kind of, um, sort of, um, state mm-hmm. of things, you know, meaning we win some and you, and you right. win they're, some. they're okay with nothing escalating. Right. Like they don't want so many 
of the gem hearts um, going the Alethi way so that it mm-hmm. tips the balance, nor do they want right. it all for themselves. Maybe. I don't know. No, these are these, these are good thoughts, I think. Yeah, so Dalinar sees a rock formation close by and he climbs up to get a vantage point and he sees that this army is direct going directly where Sadius is, like directly where the banner is. Yeah. And he's like, we got to send yeah. reinforcements, but actual reinforcements are too slow. I like his observation regarding that, that when he's when he's looking over the battlefield strategy, he says, an army was like a massive chull at times, lumbering along, slow to react. Right. So again, you're right. He's having these thoughts by looking at the battle and he's thinking, I need to send my spearmen. I need to get, um, you know, reserves in here. I need to do this. I need to do that. But it's going to be slow. It's going to take right. too much time. I, I'm not going to be able to do this. And he's looking at it like he's, he's having all these thoughts and he's, you know, thinking that it, he, he, he could put these other uh, actions in motion. But it's going to take so much time. That must be really interesting for from a general's or leader's perspective right. on the battlefield when where you see where you want something to change now and you can't right. get it it's going to take and it's, time it's got to be confusing for him too um uh, to piggyback on that point is that when he's a warrior out there fighting by himself he's seeing immediate results there's five guys coming at me i do yes. wind stance yeah. i swing yeah. my sword like this and those five guys are dead yeah, but as a general, it's, it's over. he's yeah. looking at the whole scope of the war, or the whole scope of the battle, and he's like, yeah. "This regiment has to go here, and that's going to take them very long time to get there." And over here, these guys have right. to swing wide. Right. Archers have to come in, so it's definitely a difference between him being able to get instant gratification in his actions on the battlefield and t- that slow pace of a war or of a, of a battle. For sure, I totally agree with this. I like this too, that he, so in his assessment of this situation, he says, Sadius doesn't have any support. He's basically cut off. Uh, I can't send my reserve spearmen. They're they're Mm -hmm. too slow. He calls for his Rishadium steed. Gallant, Dalinar bellows. And then he turns to his honor guard and he says, follow if you can. That's awesome. And send a runner to tell my son that he now commands our army. I love that. That's so great. That he has faith in his son. And that becomes my highlight uh, a little later in this in this chapter. Holds out a hand and summons Oathbringer and off he goes. And here he is. He's confronting the Parshendi lines. And this is when he notices, approaching this northwestern Parshendi line, that they have raised spears right. in the ground, ho- uh, holding them up against the cavalry. This is something they have not done before. And he notes here they were starting to yeah. learn. But as you as you uh, have have noted before, like he's a he's a killer on this right. battlefield, and there's a part coming up here that I think. Um, where is it here? It was time for the slaughter to yeah. begin again. Yeah, this is the part that you I read. This I, re- I recorded for our intro. It's. Uh, oh yeah! Oh, no, did you it's, go? Ahead. It's great. Go ahead. He, Dalinar punched through the Parshendi ranks. He felled Parshendi like a man sweeping crumbs from a table. Like yeah. Oh man, just well, you missed you missed the other bit just before that. I I love it when it says he says, uh, it was time to let the Blackthorn loose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
like oh, yeah there's love, a like that was for me that was a big that was a big deal. this whole this whole um, little section down our here punch through the percentage ranks yeah yeah this whole section is like oh it's amazing yeah you're right and Go ahead. Yeah, cutting through the parshendi like a man sweeping crumbs from the table. I mean, come on, Brandon, Mister. Like Sanderson. they mean nothing to him. Amazing. Like they're just garbage. Nothing. Crumbs. Yeah. Crumbs. This was a full-out attack with crumbs. all the power and deadly force of a lifelong killer, enhanced by shards. Wow. Yeah, a, a lifelong killer, enhanced by shards. He was like a tempest. He was a maelstrom of death and steel. Yeah. And these words are carefully chosen. Mm -hmm. He was a tempest. He was a maelstrom. maelstrom. He was a storm. Right. Just like they storm blessed, right? They always talk about Kaladin fighting like the storm. Yeah. And so too does Dalinar. Another connection, another similarity between these two guys. So he sees... What he believes mm-hmm. to be Sadius um, being completely surrounded by Parshendi and being beaten upon. He also sees that Sadius's primary weapon, his hammer, lays beside him. And he also sees that Stormlight is leaking from his right. armor. Dalinar is, is taking hits here too. Like, the more he gets surrounded, oh, yeah. he's ta- his armor's starting to crack oh, yeah. as well too. So, you know, we see Sadius in a, is in a bad way, but... Dalinar is going to be in a bad way soon too. Well, yeah, because he gets right in. Um, he actually uses the hammer, right? Because they're so close. Uh, because it worked better, mm-hmm. right? His l- huge sword is just too Flinging big. The bodies away with it. This is very. This is very much like Thor, right? As well, right? Like this is, this is Thor. Mm-hmm. This is Mjolnir, or as the was that gal in the first film, Meow Meow, yeah. M- Meow Meow, Mjolnir, and she goes Meow Meow. Who? She, she she turned up recently in the one. Oh yeah, by the way. Um, Kate Dennings. She's, She's awesome. My girl. Uh, I like her. Do you uh, remember the playlist movie that she came out with? What was that movie? Something something's playlist an ever ending playlist. This is why I, <laughs> this is why I sh- I can't make pop references pop culture references. I don't remember anything. Remember that <laughs> movie with that thing? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. sure do. You you, you 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 remember that thing with the guy and the whatever? I'll never forget it. Remember that? The one callback I want to mention here is with this hammer. Remember back um, at the beginning of the book when Dalinar decided to do something useful and he used his shard plate and his hammer to be able to break up all those rocks to build the trench? Remember he did that when we first yeah. met him? Yes. It was something he could, could mm-hmm. control. It's a lot like that. Yeah, he's doing that right now with his hammer. He's literally with, pulverizing with these rocks into to yeah. nothingness. Yeah, it's really cool. Again, I got to say, you know, he's using wind stance, the the wind theme present throughout this mm-hmm. whole series so far. Again, just even in mention of wind stance, I still say that's a a conscious decision on uh, Mister Sanderson's part to weave that in the yeah. story. Um, Sadius's armor was indeed leaking in a dozen different uh, areas on his uh, on his armor, and Dalinar is fighting quite bravely. Yeah, he's. Um, but he's also he's also feeling like, whoa, I'm being yeah. overwhelmed here. There are two. There's many. this. Uh, there's this and, line here that I think you wanted sorry, to read. The it could mm-hmm. happen. It couldn't happen. Line. Yeah, that's right. That's where I'm at now. Yeah, it couldn't happen. He says he wouldn't fall here. He didn't yet know if he was mad or not, and he couldn't die until he knew. So he's just 
so in control of himself mm-hmm. in this moment that even though he's overwhelmingly yeah. overrun by Parshendi and seeing that Sadius right. is overrun. A yeah, bear. he has a couple of thoughts here. He's like, what would happen if the two of us died? If Sadius and I fall here, what happens to the Le- right. Lethe army? What happens to the vengeance pack? What happens right. to everything? Like, cause they're the two cornerstones of, of Alethkar. Like realistically, Elokar can't run the battle. country without these two guys. Well, I guess you get Amaram who, you know, as we know, really earned his, his shards. Yeah. So he's, when he comes in to save the day, everything will be fine. Super awesome dude. Um, there's yeah, a part no, here where, uh, Dalinar, um, is literally single-handedly taking on this army and then his armor starts to get take hit after hit after hit. And I think it says mm-hmm. that he nearly chokes on the thrill. It's completely consuming him. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It says, yeah, uh, like he sensed real danger, a chance of falling. And that made the thrill surged surge. He nearly choked on it. The joy, mm-hmm. the pleasure, the desire, the danger, more and more blows got through and more and more Parshendi were able to duck or dodge out of the way of his blade. He's just like, he's, he nearly chokes on it. It's just crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Choking on the thrill. Yeah. That's, that's a really, I like that a lot. That's a really cool, uh, that's a really cool line. Well, okay. So when this is happening to him, of course, uh, an intervention, uh, event happens mm-hmm. and a figure in brilliant blue shard plate bursts through these Parshendi and it is Adeline. Dalinar's son with a massive shard blade in a single hand, the metal gleaming, and also followed with him is the cobalt mm-hmm. guard. And they basically come in and finish off. Yeah, the they, uh, they make room, they come in and make room for the rest of Sadius and uh, Dalinar's troops to come in and the battle is, is done. Your timing is quite good, son, he says. And then his father says, no, or sorry, Adeline says, father, no, no, no disrespect. But what if this, what in, what in the storms made you pull a stunt like this or like that? And he says, the knowledge that you could handle the army if I fell. Yeah, this is cool. And that's my highlight. I put my asterisk beside that because I just loved how, um, Dalinar had so much faith, um, and trust in his son, in his son's abilities. Mm-hmm. And basically he knew, like he, he assessed the battle. He knew what his son faced. He knew what was happening. I think his son was to the West. Right. South. And then to the East of him was Sadius. And he, he assessed that moment and he, he felt he could become the Blackthorn and go ahead, call his Mm -hmm. horse, ride in and do all of that to save Sadius as long as his son was there. But had, had Adeline been overwhelmed? Sadius could have very well been a casualty right. on this battle. Dalinar wouldn't have. Because, because Dalinar would not have abandoned his men in right. his company. You see, that's, that's the, that's right. the key right This there. also gets back to what we, um, we know the decision that uh, Dalinar had to make about abdication. He trusts that his son, Adeline can take over for him, not just in this battle, but in life. Right. So right. he can take the risks yeah. of seeing through these visions or seeing through this attack and going and saving Sadius because he trusts mm-hmm. what Adeline will do. He knows his son can take over, which is really, really awesome. I like that Dalinar is saying uh, about his his plate. Is it bad, son? Is it? How's it look? Is it bad? 
His son says, looks like a, it's held together with spit and, and twine. You're leaking light like a wineskin used for archery practice. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of fun. Yeah, it's like, awesome. I like these little exchanges. That's a good one. Yeah. Sadius is alive and uh, ultimately concludes. He says, we win again, Sadius says triumphantly. And he says, tonight all my soldiers will feast as if they were light eyes. Yeah. And this is po- this is what I like. Point here, here that. that um, um, oh, sorry. Did, did you want to highlight something? Just just the, uh, that Sadius says that all of his soldiers will feast like they're all light eyes, but that does not include the bridge crews. You're damn sure that does not. Soldiers, right? And you know what's funny is that Kaladin has bridge four moving, thinking, reacting like soldiers, probably more so than. Sadius's actual Soldiers. army right. is like yeah. yeah yeah that's a very good observation that's the irony Sadius says to Dalinar I should be dead that was a terrible risk Dalinar why why why'd you do it and, he, and then Dalinar responds you don't abandon your allies on the battlefield mm-hmm. not unless there's no recourse it's one of the codes uh, Sadius is shaking his head in the, on the codes that honor of yours is going to get you killed Dalinar not that I feel like offering a complaint about it right. this day, which I find <laughs> which is hilarious. Funny. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Donner says, if I should die, then I would do so having lived my life right. It's not the destination that matters, but how one arrives there. I love that line. And then Sadius says, yeah. And Sadius says the codes. No, the way of Kings. Oh, that's storming book, which we get the title of mm-hmm. our chapter. That storming book saved your life today. Sadius Dalinar says. I'm thinking I'm starting to understand what Gavilar saw in it. This is cool. And then Sadius responds, you, you, I think you had picked up yeah, on this. Um, Sadius says, you know, um, <laughs> he glances at his armor and it's all lying in pieces, like completely destroyed. Right. And he's like, perhaps I shall tell you, uh, uh, let you tell me what that means. Um, I'd like to understand you right. again, old friend. And I'm beginning to wonder if I ever really did. I like this. Um, and then he's like, bring me my storming horse. <laughs> like just, there's like a, this yeah. moment of softness here. And then he's just like, someone bring me my horse. You know, he's, <laughs> he, he softens up and then is like, I just, just had another, go ahead. I just had another thought come into my head. Hmm. I'm going to share it. Maybe it's a theory. Maybe it's a, I don't know what it is. Maybe I think it's a, I think it's a fear. Hmm. Um, what if this is true? That Sadius is, is actually, interested maybe in finding out more about what makes Dalinar tick mm-hmm. because before he if he knew him at all it was it was as the Blackthorn right. now there's something else that's a component a very serious component of Dalinar and Sadius doesn't really know what it's about yeah but maybe so maybe his, he's actually being genuine that he's really curious so my thought is what if in this process of them fighting together and Sadius getting closer to Dalinar that that becomes the undoing of Sadius. What do you, what, I, don't, I don't, like, why would it be the undoing of Sadius? Because he can't be the same person well, he is anymore because he changes? Too close. Well, he's getting too close to Dalinar. Like, what if he starts becoming like right. Dalinar? Like, maybe becoming, like, it's all, it's all in the way, the way he says it here. Um, it's not the destination that matters, but how one arrives right. there. How do I arrive? With big siege towers protecting my men. Right. How do you arrive? 
risking all the bridgemen and hmm. getting them killed. Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. Life is mean, life is life is cheap and life is worthless. So what if Sadius learns from the Blackthorn, learns from this new Blackthorn, like learns from this learns from the hmm. way of kings? What if Sadius were to learn from it? Like what if the way of kings is the problem? What if the enemy of the way of kings is seeking for its tenants or its adherences or its wisdom to be suppressed. Hmm. So when, when Sadius becomes closer to um, Dalinar, it puts Sadius at hmm. risk. And that's why I'm saying like, maybe that becomes Sadius' undoing. Hmm. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I'm just thinking out loud. That's cool. You're allowed Sorry. to. Just, allowed just to. an aside. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks. Um, Dalinar looks about and um, sees all these d- dozens of dead, perhaps hundreds of dead all around him. And he's like, blood of my fathers, did I do that? And he's he's going full Urkel here. He's yeah, like, did I do that? Harsh, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Urkel. Yeah. Did, uh, I'm looking at all those hundreds of Alethi dead. Did I do yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. Yes, uh, actually you did. Yeah, he feels revolted, but he um, doesn't. He fi- um, yeah. He can just barely keep his stomach in control. Um, he wouldn't want his men mm. to see him throwing up on the battlefield. You got to yeah, do go the ending here. This is amazing. Okay, I'll do it. Um, he says, this is um, this is um, Dalinar's final thoughts for this chapter. And he says, you will need luck trying to understand me, Sadius, he thought, because I'm having damnation's own trouble trying to do yeah. so myself. Jeez, what a good chapter, man. We see, oh, we see the full Blackthorn in this. Like this is... You know, like we said before, a maelstrom of of death and steel. Like this is the Blackthorn, straight up. Um, what's your highlight again? Your highlight is the uh, the the Adeline. My highlight is um is when when Dalinar, when Adeline, his son, comes to him and says, "Dad, you know, like no offense, but what the hell were you thinking? Why why would you pull off a, a stunt like that?" Yeah. And the, and the response from his father was because because I knew. That if I fell, the army would be in good hands under your leadership. Yeah, that's really cool. Something to that effect. Basically a father having faith in his son. Yeah, that's neat. I like that. That the father father felt so secure about his son that he could die. And I'm good. Nice. Because Adeline's good. Yeah, that's awesome. That for me is the, that's the highlight. For me, um, what was yours? What was your I guess highlight? my highlight for this is how we get to see a shard bearer in full display, tactically, um, how the armor yeah. reacts, how the sword reacts, how Dalinar changes tactics when people get inside his um, his uh, his uh, yeah. blade um, range. His face, yeah. Yeah, he changes to hand-to-hand, yeah. then he changes to the, the warhammer. Yeah. He, um, he's very versatile in this battle, and um, it's great to see a shard bearer shard bear. You know what I mean? Like, it's really great to see someone do and use the equipment to its fullest. We haven't seen that yet totally. And this is on full display here. That's my highlight is a shard bearer using his equipment. No, for sure. You know what else is my highlight? My highlight of every, uh, of every episode is the info dump. 
Info dump. Do we have much of one? Really? Oh, we got a pretty large I info we dump. Pretty thorough. Um, well, we have. Uh, um, wow! Better let it rip. Yeah. So we um, we talked about the uh, um, uh, emerald brome and how it's the highest denomination of sphere. The one thing I wanted to point out is that yes. um, Kalth says he could see the storm's oh. tempest inside. The storm captured yeah. by the the gemstone. It's almost like he could see the storm swirling inside, which is really really cool. Yeah, um, we talked about life spren, and yeah. um, we talked about uh, glory spren, the glory spren, pain spren, winking. Yeah, we've got a lot of spren in this uh, these two chapters. Mm-hmm. It's nice. It's nice to be with our sprens. Um, and then we get like a huge dump here of information on uh, Sesmalex Dar. Um, we we don't really get this much information about any other city um, on Roshar so far in this book, except for maybe the temporary. Um, Shattered Plains War Camps, which is kind of a city now too. Um, but Sesamlex Dar is the capital of Imul. It's one of the most ancient cities in the world, the, the Dawn cities, the same cities that Cabsul talked uh, to Shalon about. Um, it was named after Yezrian himself, it's, it's said, built in giant troughs. Um, it protects against the high storm because it has these lips that help prevent the flooding, which is really, really cool. Um, the people, um, of the city are known for their creme pottery. You kind of, um, quickly mentioned this before. Um, yeah, it makes like me think that. that this city is just, um, a bunch of Patrick Swayze's and Demi Moore's just doing pottery. Just <laughs> every building you go in, there's like, Oh, what was that, what was that song they played? Everyone's saying <laughs> ditto to each other. Hey, I'll see you tomorrow. Ditto. Ditto. Just a lot of dittos. Ditto. Um, Ditto. Uh, the uh, city is a major waypoint in the southwest. On well, uh, on the, on on in talking about this, I I had one thing I'd I'd highlighted about this. I like this idea that there, um, in Sesamalexdar, um, that a foreigner is given uh, a, a a wide sort of berth, very lenient toward foreigners. They cannot own a home or a shop there, but when they visit, they're treated as a relative shown all kindness and leniency and a foreigner can take dinner at any residence and i was just thinking like man i want to that's go really there. cool like the the go on a vacation the, to, and then just knock on the door like what's for yeah. dinner you know? the foreigner what's, has to offer that? a gift of fruit though if they're to be invited in for dinner somewhere because the emuli are very interested in exotic fruits which is really kind of cool like that's like their thing they love fruit from foreign lands yeah. which is kind of a random thing to be into but okay <laughs> So just bring, so get a box of raisins. You're good. Yeah. This is dried fruit. Yeah. The, um, it so says one, that the, one, uh, one small box of sun-made raisins, box, goes, that's so, a lot of meals. That's it. One of those red, little red boxes. That's good. <laughs> Here yeah. you go. We're, what's for dinner, guys? Um, the Amuli are a tribe of Askarki people, which is, uh, ethnically Makabaki. Yeah. We've yeah. kind of talked about this before, about how all yeah. these people in this region are yeah. Makabaki. Um, Emul is a wondrous place filled with exotic travelers. We've kind of just talked about this. Um, women wear flowing mm-hmm. gowns and head wraps. The food is salty. Yep. And I love salty. this. The greetings mm-hmm. are holding the forefinger to the forehead and bowing in respect. That's how you say hello to people. You're like, hello, do you like my, and the, in yep. other lands you stick out the thumb and Again, you go, all this world building, like, ah. Mr. Sam, <laughs> you are, I love this world building stuff. Yeah, I can't get awesome. enough of it. I love it. I love it. I they love talk it. a little bit about uh, Yezrian here. He's called the father, uh, the storm father in Alethkar. Um, he's the king of heralds, mm-hmm. the master of storms, the bringer of water and life. He's known for his fury, mm-hmm. his temper, and also his mercy. 
um, the Amuli uh, worship him, but not in the Voran sense. They see him as the only God. No. Um, and the, one of the cool things I like right. here is that even though the heralds are not gods, the Amuli see, um, a Voranism as a splinter religion of their own belief and Vorism, Voranism right. sees the Amuli's religion as a splinter religion of theirs. So they're like trying to decide Voris, who yeah. came first. Right. So. Yeah, yeah, that's all I got we for Infradom. That's uh, quite a lot of information, but uh, well, that was good. really, really great. I really enjoyed those two chapters. That was great. Mm-hmm, me too. I can't wait to get to the next one. So the next one is Wander Sail. It's chapter 57. Um, we are only going to cover the next one chapter because it's quite a long chapter. So uh, we're going to just cover the one oh, okay. next time. Looking forward to the rest of the avalanche, the Sanderlanche. But uh, yeah, if um, you're out there listening and you want to support the show, you can go to uh, uh, patreon.com slash heroes of and uh, join the Patreon team. We've got all kinds of goodies set up. Um, we are about to record a bonus episode for Valentine's Day mm-hmm. um, called Love in the, uh, in the Time of, Ro- of Roshar. Um, kind of like the love in the time of... Uh, <laughs> Um, what's that? Uh, what's that? Uh, loving in the time of Roshar. Yeah, loving the time of Roshar. Um, so yeah, we're gonna record that as a bonus episode, hey, which is really cool. Roshar. Um, if you want to support the show indirectly, you can always rate and review whenever you can, and just tell people you know to listen. We would love more earballs. It's uh, that's all we're doing. Is we're just trying to collect some earballs. I got a little sack here mm-hmm. with a bunch of earballs in them, and I want more earballs. I've said that word too many times now. Too many earballs. Um, <laughs> if you want to reach out to us and talk to us about maybe not saying earballs as much, you can go to heroes of uh, at gmail.com. That's our email address. You can reach out at heroes of one on Twitter or um, heroes of a on Instagram. I'm always lurking on the stormlight archive fan page on Facebook. So if you want to come and find me, it's a uh, it's Sean Q anyways. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's all I got you. Uh, you excited for the next one? Yes, I am indeed. Me too. Okay, well then, till next time. Till next time. Take care, everybody. StormPod is brought to you by Heroes of. Theme song by Jack Forrest Productions. Additional music by Jason Moray. Produced by Jack, Jay, Phil, Mike, and Sean. The Heroes of Hakathra. <laughs>